Ready? Ready. What's up, guys? It's Willie Robertson with a Willie Robertson podcast. We have a, uh, oh, man, we got a show for you today. Um, you know, you never know how these things are going to turn out. And uh, so Corey and I, uh, we started having Friday nights with friends. And so the thought process was we invite somebody that we know that we met somewhere along the road on our travels. And uh, and we come in just to talk to our community, and then they hang out with us and uh uh, just something cool for the community. It was kind of a give back. It's free to show up. And, uh, so we had Louis Giglio come in and, uh, and then Louis ended up coming to do the podcast, which was awesome. And, uh, so our second big, uh, our second big one was, uh, just last night actually. And we had, uh, Hank Fortner come in. Hank's going to be with us today. And, um, now Hank, um, so here's the story. So Sadie was on Dancing with the Stars, and so she's in Los Angeles basically for four months. So Corey and I would go out. Corey went out every weekend, and I would go kind of every other weekend because we were still filming Duck Dynasty. And um, we were looking for a church somewhere to go because uh, Dancing with the Stars films on Monday. And so we were looking for somewhere to go uh, to church because typically we were out there on Sunday. And so we found this place uh, called Mosaic, and... Um, it's in Hollywood. It's a great, uh, great church, and we were super inspired. And Erwin uh, uh, McManus is, was the minister, and I'll never forget. I showed up, and uh, uh, I loved hearing Erwin speak. And one night I came in, it was like, oh, we've got the other pastor, one of the other pastors. And I thought, ah, oh, shoot, you know, I uh, missed it. You know, I should have come last week, you know. And the speaker was Hank Fortner, and I had low expectations of Hank, and Hank gets up, and I was, like, totally blown away. And then I thought, how many good speaking pastors? Because let me tell you, these cats go an hour. And if you'd have told me, because Corey said, like, Willie, it's awesome, because she had been to the church before I had. She says, Willie, it's so great, and the speakers are so great. And uh, I said, how long do they speak? She said, an hour. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a long, it's a long time to keep uh, Willie's attention uh, and a sermon. And she says, believe me, just come. And so I went, and uh, so Hank was a pastor, blew me away. We met him and Irwin as well. And uh, so we had invited uh, uh, Hank to come out to our Friday night with friends. Uh, he spoke last night, and uh, uh, we had a great night, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But uh, Hank, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. What do you call this? You call this like, like Duck Zero, Duck Ground Zero? What do you call? Uh, what do you call well, where we are? Right we're now? actually open for names, but um, it's actually the my kids' former game room, uh, which is. Uh, but we need we need to name this place. We should. I mean the whole I, the whole property is it's got to have like a, you know like the like almost like the ranch names when you have the, the name of the ranch over top when you drive in right, you're, yeah, you're now yeah. driving onto the governor's land or something I don't know. You All right, Hank has uh, challenged us. Uh, also, I'm joined by my slobby assistant, John D. Sorry, John D. I forgot to introduce it's you. All right. I didn't know you had the headphones on. We've been sitting here talking for a while, and so <laughs> I didn't realize John D. I had was the just headphones being on. all quiet over here. Yeah, it's it's uh, quiet. So, uh, um, John D. Put that on the list of things to do um, is to name this place, and so uh, I want to name the room too. Yeah, I like the. The podcast room needs a name. The podcast room? Yeah, it needs some name. Maybe we could uh, sell that off or something. Like the Mercedes Benz, like maybe your child. 
The Merce- <laughs> we were just Mercedes Benz, if you're listening, yeah, yeah, that one's yeah. for free. Sponsors, all sponsors listening. The podcast name is up for is up, is up for, for yeah. We'll yeah, sell exactly. it. So, or we'll trade for stuff. So we don't need <laughs> we don't need currency. We could take the cars, the cool ch- stuff. Yeah. Oh no, I was thinking like beef jerky or something. Food. Yeah, I was thinking food wise, we could name this place. <laughs> Uh, I'm into chicken sandwiches. So, Hank, you, uh, you live in Los Angeles. Uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, tell uh, the person who's listening that may not know who you are. Uh, tell them what you do and where you came from and just the quick Hank story. Well, the quick Hank story. So, I live in Los Angeles. I have my wife. I'll start, to, I'll start you to the end. I have a wife and two daughters, and we live in Hollywood, Los An- Hollywood, California, right there in the middle of Los Angeles. And I've lived in L.A. for 10 years. Prior to that, I lived in southern Ohio, Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I grew up really uniquely uh, because my parents were anti-establishment and a little crazy. My mom and dad, amongst a lot of things that we did, my parents didn't believe in public education. Mm. My mom said that uh, school is brainwashing and crowd control. And she preferred that brainwashing be done in the privacy of our own home. Really? So we were, <laughs> none of us went to school while I was growing up. So what was great about that is I had an aunt and uncle in Colorado. I had grandparents in Florida. And I had an aunt, aunt and uncle or another grandparents uh, in Michigan. So I would live three months a year in all those different places. I would spend the ski season in Colorado. And I would do school that way because I was mostly independent study. Then I would. Were move. you doing school for real or was it kind of like halfway school well but my dad kind of scared me into it he's there's these tests you have to take when you're homeschooled called the iowa basics Mm -hmm. if you pass the iowa basics everything's cool if you fail it the state comes in and goes you're not really educating your kid you're working Uh, him to death whatever so my dad would hand me the practice test and say if you can't pass this you're gonna have to go to school which is a terrible place yeah so (laughs) i were and i'm a guy you can make afraid pretty easily so I just worked hard. And I also love school. I love learning. I love books. I loved reading. I was reading like John Grisham novels at the age of like nine. Oh, so wow. I loved consuming so things. You've never so. been to formal school? No, I went to community college when I was 14. I started going to community college. At 14? At 14. So that was as formal as it got, but I never went to like a junior high or a high school or hmm. elementary school. So no sports, no? I still played sports. They let the homeschool kids in. Ah, okay. Uh, and you just get to be the – you're the weird kid. You're the one who's like, oh, there's that guy. <laughs> and and you're not the weird kid in like – well, I was weird anyways, but they would look at it and go, this guy doesn't have to go to school, and he still gets to play baseball. And they would ask you, what do you do all day? You're like, well, I do school for like two hours, and then I do whatever I want. And huh. and, and we had a big family, so my parents – Yeah, they, tell me about these foster – yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty so my mom said that God put her on earth to be a mother, and my dad said that God put him on earth to make mother happy. So my mom had three of us biologically and then said, oh, we got to fill our home with babies. And my dad was like, oh, okay. And so we started fostering kids. So for a seven-year period, we had 36 foster kids come through our wow. home. Wow. Unbelievable. It was, it was an adventure. And it, it literally the doorbell would ring, and mom would go, hey, can somebody get the doorbell? Uh, we've, we're getting another baby today. And there would be like, I'm like, we're kind of full. <laughs> and then and then they would drop off a child. Some some would stay for two weeks at a time. Some would stay for two months. And we had three kids that stayed for over three years. Wow. Um, and stayed with us. And then my parents decided that the foster care, I mean, there's a lot of uh, joy in that. But you you when you're, when you're a foster parent, and anyone listening, especially your listeners who are foster parents, you absorb all of the pain and all the hurt and all the complexity that that child, as little as he may be, has endured. So... When you're doing that, uh, it takes a toll on you after seven or eight years. And we wanted permanence. We were done. 
with the, you know, take care of a child for three years and then a knock on the door and they say, hey, we're going to take him hmm. now. Um, that happened three years and it was it was just, we were done. Right. So we started adopting because we wanted that permanence. And so my parents went on to adopt eight kids from six different countries. Hmm. Uh, so now our our dinner table looks a lot like the gathering at the United Nations. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> Bolivia. And, we're, and whenever we do Fourth of July, just to be... Just to be fair, we do Fourth of July, but when we do the games, every person gets to play for their country. So it's more like the Olympics. <laughs> so we have China. China usually China can usually beat Bolivia, but a lot of times Guatemala lately has just been taken. Guatemala has been on fire. Oh, Guatemala. My little brother, small story, my little brother's 10 years old. He's adopted from Guatemala. He has a free tennis coach right now because the tennis coach says, he's this kid's going to be my calling card. He's going to college for free as a tennis player. He has a free baseball tutor, and my dad's his coach because the baseball guy is going. This guy's going to college for free to play baseball. So wow. a ten-year-old. So I told my dad, eleven kids later, you finally got the athlete. Exactly. You always wanted. <laughs> it didn't happen biologically. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah, right. I was like, it's. It was my fault. I was working with your DNA. <laughs> if I'm not an athlete and I couldn't deliver, because nobody went. Nobody played in college sports. I got cut my freshman year of college. That's insane. Well, and I've. Uh, I have somewhat of a similar uh, sort of background, you know, with our family. And I never forget, I had a buddy, and uh, he, I had a friend, and uh, we got to be buddies. And I sent him a Christmas card of our family, and he calls me up and he goes, "Hey, Willie, um, just gotta ask, man, what, what's up with this? <laughs> Who exactly? Like, I'm not getting like I'm seeing these kids, and <laughs> did the neighbors uh, come over? They for don't your look Christmas card? a lot like you, <laughs> yeah, so, right." Uh, so yeah, there were some Asian and all sort of different flavors on the Christmas card. So uh, what'd your what'd your bedroom look like? Was, I, was I, there how many people were stuffed? In? I mean, with that many people, yeah. And we had a small house, like my yeah. Because I'm gonna say a lot yeah, of time people gotta... would be like, "Man, what'd your dad do? He must have been rich." I'm like, "No, we just I didn't have my own room until I was 21 years old. Until I bought a house, <laughs> I had to buy a house to have my own room. To get, yeah, because I went to college and they give you a dorm. You give you get a dorm room, but I lived in a room with. Uh, it was kind of like the entryway of a house, and then we just put beds and things. So <laughs> if you came in the side door of our house, you walked straight into my bedroom, and so everybody walked through. So, so everybody, yeah. Everybody would walk I through. I grew up, I was in the laundry room. Oh, wow. It was an untapped space because it was the laundry room. And also uh, pantry. Mom had extra groceries in there, and it was the last little room in the house. And uh, so um, we grew up. But same house that's on the show where we filmed mom and dad's, you know, with the dinner scenes. And um, there was two bedrooms. So there's four boys, oh, two wow. bedrooms. Yeah. Mom and dad took one of the bedrooms, obviously. The other bedroom was ours. And so... Uh, all four of you in that. All four of us, wow. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of cow. I mean... I can't imagine, like right now, I'm thinking it's about how much that, what that room smelled like. One bathroom like. and one bathroom yeah, for well, the whole house. What did that room smell like is my... Oh, it was it was awful. It was, it was ripe. Awful. That's because a ripe, also I that's was a ripe a, smelling room. Because I was a chronic bedwetter and... Uh, <laughs> and y'all all shared bath water. Oh, and we all, yeah, one bath, <laughs> wow. one bath. So, when you ran that water, mom four, would take the first bath. Cold. And then dad, and then it trickled down to the kid, you know. And, you do not and, want to be the youngest. And what's you weird is I never thought anything weird about it. Like, it wasn't until I got married and mentioned, oh, yeah, well, should we save the bath water for the kids? <laughs> and Corey's like, no, we can just run a new bath. And they have was their own bathroom. Was there a like, water shortage? That's like apocalyptic water shortage. That's what's so strange. You would think we were like in some third world country where there was no water. No, we had a well. So I'm assuming water that's pulled from the earth, there's a 
pretty good supply of then that. They probably weren't, it wasn't not city didn't even, it, wasn't, it yeah. was free water. I mean, well, I mean wow. we paid, We had to put the salt. That was our job was to put the salt in the tank or whatever for the water. Uh, but, no, we just conserved water. And, wow. And so we all. They need a little of that in California. By, by the right time now. I got to the bath, it was a. <laughs> Sketchy situation. You were never clean. But I, well, I mean, you know, I tried. You can't get clean. We were poor. What was I supposed to do? I mean, it was the situation I grew up in. <laughs> but then I grabbed that laundry room. I thought, you know what? I could throw a bed in here. Yeah. And I could live in this. And so, I mean, for years, I didn't know how to go to sleep without a dryer going. Because that was, <laughs> that dryer had to be rolling. That's, a, that's I sleep with a fan. I feel like it's a dryer. Would yeah, be that such dryer a great, was just, yeah, mm-hmm. just lull you to sleep every day. Now, one night when I was, uh, I was a junior in high school, and I had left the door open, the light was on, and I went to sleep, and I woke up with this searing, searing pain in my ear, and, um. So I go in, I actually wake up mom and dad, which is a, you know, we rarely woke up my dad. And I, I'm just like, something's wrong. You know, I busted my eardrum, something. So my dad's not a doctor at all, but he always had these remedies. And he said, oh, I know what we can do. So he takes a bottle of camphophenique. And, What's that? Which is used for, like, you know, I think it's for, like, uh, to put on a scrape or something. And But he decides this may work. So he says, tilt your head down, and he just fills my ear with camphophenic, some kind of antibiotic like, liquid. Yeah, he just pours that in my ear. Like, this may help. It it slowed down the pain, but there was still this, like, yeah. it was a slowing pain. So finally, my dad says, take him to the hospital. I don't know what's wrong with him. I'm screaming. I'm, so we get the hospital. We get the emergency room. It's like 3 in the morning. The doctor's looking in my ear, and he goes, ooh, there's something in there. And he said, it has hair. And I'm like, oh, no, I, this is some mutant earball right. wax. In right. my, and he said, it also has legs. At this point, I'm like, what? So he Spider. reaches in my ear with these long tweezers. Mouse. It is a cockroach. No way. Has has went in the tunnel and has hit the eardrum. No, no. And he's just, so all this pain was him trying to basically crawl through my brain matter <laughs> oh my god where the camphophenic slowed him down so now he's like half drowned you know because he's in this liquid so that was the slowing pain <laughs> let me tell you something if you've never had a cockroach burrow itself in your ear going in's bad when he scratches it's horrible when they pull that sucker out of your ear it is pain like you've never the pressure of something coming out of your eardrum and he popped that sucker out. Well, then it broke how apart. Big, how big is this? I mean, it, it's you're like a kid, it, right? I'm talking a two inch long. It's a oh, giant cockroach. Wow. And he basically pulled the body. Then he has to pull all the legs, out, all the you know, oh, everything else gosh. that broke off. Where, in were you there. sleeping in the in the swamp? Where? where no, did... I was in my bedroom. I was in you're the laundry room. You're on the floor. So the, the door that makes me want to sleep with earplugs. Like tonight, no chance. I'm, the, I'm sleeping Hank, with earplugs. The door is ajar. Okay, the light is left on, and then. Louisiana in the summer, you will have more insects attracted to that light. And so all these bugs oh, were wow. flying around. I'm asleep, and one of them just decides to hit pay dirt. And- I would say I'm sleeping <laughs> with earplugs tonight. 
So, that yeah. freaks me out beyond words. I mean, he could have done like severe permanent damage. Oh yeah, to your ear or your brain. I mean, he could have. That's, that's I can't hear half of what you're saying kind of now, but probably because of that. So, <laughs> so there are drawbacks to sleeping in the laundry room yeah. uh, if you leave the door open and the light on. So, I want to get into what about last night. So, uh, so Hank uh, gives a great speech. Now, super interesting. Uh, Hank shows up in a white suit. Now. I've worn a white suit or two in uh, my day uh, as the boss hog. And so he has this white suit, and you give this great lesson about colors, kind of colors of life. And so mm-hmm. you had a girl throw, um, what is that, like color run dust on you. Yep. and uh, it was- Holly powder. It's it's designed, it's fact, we stole the idea in America for the color runs from the uh, the Holly Festival in India. Oh, is that what So I'm that's thinking? where, if you look at the Holly Festival, like it's all over Snapchat, it's all over Instagram if you search for it. The whole city is full of this powder that people are just covering with themselves in. oh it's, it's I incredible. didn't know yeah I didn't know where it came from but it's a great lesson and uh very uh everybody that was there was uh impacted by it so so then uh uh we started this with Louie we we said well hey come to the house and we invite friends family uh my brothers are there people come by and we just hang out and I've got this outdoor pizza oven and so I start cranking up pizzas and uh so we cooked, the best uh, pizzas that we've ever tasted. So you, that's a casual for your listeners, and you probably have bragged about it. But for your listeners, I haven't. I've never mentioned my pizza. These are the best. I'm a pizza th- man. I mean, the reason that I have like a, a jelly belly right Come here, on, bro. I'm Come a skinny on, guy with a, I'm a skinny guy with jiggly belly, and, right, and well, I'm a fat guy with a jiggly belly. And I, I agree with and you. that part, when people go, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. That when when they ask how to get abs, and they tell me I got to stop eating pizza, I don't want abs that no, much. Like, I want yeah. the pizza. Overrated. So I've eaten hundreds and hundreds of pizzas, and your pizza, Willie, is like a fine wine of some kind <laughs> i couldn't stop did you see me i just hovered over them. you did keep it yeah it was, uh, it was impressive for a so. two-hour stretch i ate just a piece of every pizza that last came out. night was the first night i ran out of every ingredient i had so we ate the sausage the hamburger the pepperoni the mushrooms tomatoes everything we went through the whole gamut of uh my materials and uh but it's just a fun night we've we've had fun and so uh but what was so interesting was um so we start talking, and we end up sitting around talking. And Hank has a friend uh, that's come with him, and uh, it's the first time I had met. Yeah, first time I had met your friend, and uh, so the friend's there. So we're talking. Uh, we hit politics pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hit politics pretty good. We were talking about all sorts of issues, and then uh, uh, something um, until late. I and here's the thing: at ten thirty, after my forty third piece of pizza. I'm thinking, man, I'm tired. I, I'm I gotta like maybe we'll cash out. Everyone, people are kind of fading. People with kids have left. I showed up at ten thirty though. But yeah, I, he did come over. Yeah, Johnny I, I D showed, showed up. Oh, late. he did. Yeah, because I was like, but people were fa- people were people you know, were fading once. I, I was got just getting there. tired, and I was like, man, I think I'm gonna turn in. I don't know how long this is gonna go, but I could get some good. Well, I didn't sleep know right that. Now. I was just tired, so I just thought, oh, I'll drink. But I thought you were on L.A. time, so I was like, man, I've got to stay up two extra hours because <laughs> no. anytime my friends come in from Los Angeles, it's yeah. like, it feels like it's, it's 6, only o'clock 6 o'clock to me. right? So no, I was, I was staying up for you because I was like, man, I was like, this is our only night together. I'm going to stick around. So I drank a <laughs> bottle of water and sat down, and sure enough, we went. I thought the sun was going to come up. But something hit me earlier, and I, I just felt compelled to ask your friend about where he was spiritually, and I um, uh, just, I don't know what it was. So I, I would... It was so bizarre. I was just sitting through these conversations and thinking, I want to ask this guy, you know, about baptism for some reason. And uh, so, what was it, 3 in the morning? 
I think it was four o'clock by the time you asked that question. Was it maybe, uh, maybe yeah, three or four? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and so I asked, uh, six, I asked full, a full six hours from when I thought I was going to go to bed. <laughs> six hours later. So I asked your friend. I said, you know, um, if you've been baptized, maybe you should be. And he's like, yeah, I think I should. And so, and then you looked right at me. And here I've been friends with this guy for years. And you looked right at me, and I thought you were going to look at me like, how is this guy your friend? And he hasn't been baptized. <laughs> I immediately felt I felt and simultaneously I never, I never excited and that. like, oh, no, I, here I am. you gotta, you got to say this in front of him because like, uh, we just had a conversation right. about how important it is. And, right. Yeah. And so, uh, so uh, long story short, we end up in my newly made pond uh, that's by my house uh, that we kind of call the lake. But um, so it's the first time we've went down in the water in that particular place and uh baptized your friend it was just a it was amazing and i went in into my white suit with the holly powder mm-hmm. on it i wanted you in there you I wanted said, i was going into the water Are there and any i pictures of this i said you're coming i in. got a video yeah. okay i was the videographer and then Corey was the videographer standing in the towel she was not getting in that water Corey was a part of it too it was, no it was awesome you so. guaranteed us by the way that there were no snakes in that pond mm-hmm which I sort of feel like it is that a guarantee you that can make? That is the worst guarantee you could ever. Think. You should not have listened to that. <laughs> I've never seen a snake in that. Pond. There was a snake in your house. Well, there was a snake ago. in my house two days ago, but there wasn't a snake in the pond. But that's right beside the pond. But it, a pond, it, I mean, you, you, snakes. At don't some always... point, you've got to just calculate the risk and just <laughs> make it happen. Actually, there probably isn't any snakes great. in the pond. What I loved about there. what you did in in last night, like to me, the thing that was so important was. My assumption was that my friend, who we've had hundreds of spiritual conversations, my assumption was that he'd been baptized. My assumption was growing up Catholic and being connected to us. I just my assumption was that was kind of part of it. And I, what I loved about your question to him is that you took this long conversation we've been having about deep spiritual topics in every category, and you just made it practical, real, right then and right now. Hey, have you been baptized? And he says no. And you go, well. it's... Let's do it right now. And he just starts this nervous laughter of like, and I immediately I look at his face and I was like, oh, this dude is in. Like he loved the fact that in a sense, the conversation had turned on to him going, these are all big theories. And I think spirituality can get that way where it's like, this is big theoretical question or politics or whatever. And in reality, it's about your own personal journey. And it's about the way that you connect to God personally. It's a way that you connect to each other and, you made that so practical and so real for him. That's what I find in the New Testament. I mean, if you read the stories, they're, it, it's usually it's pretty simple, you know. And there were complex things back then for sure, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of, you know, the Old Testament into the New Testament, into Jesus coming down. And then to to make that message uh, as simple, really, as Jesus made it, which Jesus would tell stories and would be super simple, you know, like, ah, oh, look at the field, see the things growing. Right. Yeah, it's right. just like yeah, absolutely. literally just whatever in eyesight, right. you know, could just point at something and uh, and do that. And so, uh, but anyway, it was a special night. So, we, yes, we've stayed up uh, half the night, and uh, I love those stories. And um, uh, we've had a lot of those stories that have happened over the years and uh, uh, from all of us. And the Robertson family loves to share. At that dinner table, a lot of those stories are about spiritual things that happen, and we mm. – we come back, and I can't wait to tell this story, and I can't wait to say, ah, oh, this is what happened, because it's so encouraging to other people right. when they hear that, and they go, ah. Oh. Totally. And it, it spurs you on to just to really what you talked about last night in your lesson about, you know, you talked about the small talk and then yep. asking 
bigger questions, asking things that impact people's lives. Because so much of our lives, just it's just conversation that means nothing. You know, it's just we're passing just getting time. through, just you know, passing time, yeah. just passing time. And so getting in those things, uh, whatever it may be. And so sometimes it does start with things like politics or things that people say don't ever talk about. But you, you start talking about things and you start uh, – getting into people's lives and seeing where they need help. And so I love, I love helping people. And, um, as I know you do too, as you know, working in the ministry, uh, which I did as well, uh, for a time, but, and I share with you that I I was able now to preach to so many more people now that I'm not, you know, that I don't work for the church. And I love it because they don't quite see you coming because they don't know quite your background. And so, uh, I can get into a conversation and see the real them, you know, um, because a lot of times people see somebody religious, and all of a sudden they get religious, right? Yeah, so, right. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, brother. Put on a face for the pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I, that happens in business meetings with me. They'll come and go, oh, brother Willie, we want to pitch you this product. I'm, yeah. And I'm always leery when I hear the brother. I'm like, hang <laughs> on now. Is this, you know, God put you on my heart, Willie. Is this spiritual or is gotta... this business? What, which one are we, <laughs> we going to talk to? Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's interesting, what, what I kind of came out with with this whole weekend um, was I started thinking like um, – um, there was a couple that was there last night and the couple said, man, we needed Hank's lesson so bad. And I said to the couple, I said, well, maybe this is why, maybe this is why this happened mm-hmm. is because, you know, you guys needed it. And I thought maybe that's why Hank was supposed to be here tonight. And, um, then I thought, what went on last night then your buddy then i thought oh that was it yeah right. that was why this happened then i started thinking why do we think it's one thing that happens that makes you know something have meaning right so it would be like what if there's so many things going on spiritually that you can't pick one thing that right. happened and i started thinking about my children what if i told my child at 13 and say now I know I had you. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if I totally. told Sadie, yeah. you know this Dance with the Stars? I know I had you now yeah, right. because you were going to be on Dance with the Stars. This whole time I've been right. wondering. I've been asking. And think of how absurd that is yeah. to think of one thing when you think of the meaning of something. Oh, it's that one thing that happened. And if you think about a child, you think, no, there's thousands and totally. thousands of reasons why that you're – and so it just – it gave me such a broader perspective that – it's not on us to figure out what the one thing. Oh, because I think people get caught up in that. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? Is this is this yeah. what God says? Is this what? What if it's so many things interconnected? Um, kind of like a movie. Have you ever seen a movie where they interconnect six people's lives in this yeah, right. odd way? Like you know, and right? And it's things. like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what a cool story. Yeah. You know, where all these things are connected. But what if that's what it is? There's so many things. God has so many things going on. Yeah. Well, it's like it's the, all interconnected. It's like the snakes in the pond. You tell my friend there's no snakes in that pond because you haven't seen one. But you know that a pond in Louisiana, <laughs> around a place where there's snakes, you go, there's definitely snakes in that pond. <laughs> you may have thought there was alligators. I, there's might even uh, that. I think I think it's a, it begins with I think faith starts with saying there's snakes in every pond because that's the environment and God is a living, breathing God. He's going to be doing things no matter what. When I first see the snake, that doesn't tell me that there's now snakes in the pond. I know there's snakes there, and the one that I see just tells me that, ah, oh, they've been here the whole time. It's, right. yeah, I think it's the same thing as you described of those moments tell you right. their awareness of, wow, oh, God's been here this this whole time. 
and I, man, I haven't, I wasn't paying attention. Even right. when you have those moments like, oh, this is why I had my child, or this is why I had my daughter. Right. I think it, it's still going. No, there's a God is up to st- all the stuff I still can't even see. So right. you, you'd go. Last night, there's three things that you go, oh, this is why, this is why, this is why. And God's like, yeah, there's like a thousand. Right. And I just, I, those are the only three I guess. Those there, are the only three that you don't even know you. about. There's yeah. somebody somewhere yeah. that you have no idea what yep. somebody was impacted in some different way. It could be you, could be me, could right. be any of us. And so, and that's what I love about what we're doing is that um, something positive happens out of a weekend. Now, we'll go back. I had a friend uh, call me this week, a young brother in uh, guy that we led to the Lord, and uh, he was kind of discouraged, and he wanted, you know, he, he needed some advice, and so I, I, I gave him that advice, and I, and to try to help him out, and so I wanted uh, him to know that there was a bigger, a bigger picture, and oh, we have uh, John Luke's dog visiting right now. Hello, dog, <laughs> which is another whole story. This dog got lost last night. Well, that's and, uh, the dog. He was found this morning. He was right? found. He was found. Oh wow, that's that they makes me feel so much better. They stayed up all night so looking better. for the dog, and the dog is entered the podcast. He just showed up. Or where did they find they, him? John Luke went out in the woods, and he ran right back to him. Oh wow! So I spent a lot of time looking for that dog yeah. yesterday. That's amazing. Dog's gone. Dog's gone. Um, shoot, I told him that dog. Totally <laughs> dog threw you off. <laughs> I had to edit this one because I totally when I saw that dog because I forgot to tell you. I they didn't found realize, the dog. That's when you was, said that's the dog, I'm like, I feel so relieved. When we got home. <laughs> <laughs> we got home last night, four thirty in the morning. Charlie and I did a whole lap whistling for that dog. I was like, the only thing that makes tonight perfect is if this dog that's been missing for the last. And I felt partially responsible. We were shooting shotguns, right, right. and I felt like, well, if we hadn't been shooting, maybe the dog wouldn't have run away. So I was like, maybe this is the moment. This is what makes it perfect. And the dog never came back. So, but no, John Luke called this morning like seven. Yeah, he texted wow. me at like seven thirty. And he's like, hey, we found the, we found the dog. That's and amazing. So, I mean, we're talking. John Luke's wife is bawling, crying. I mean, this is their do- first dog. It's a big deal. That's and like 15 hours of, of looking for that dog. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's and a, the dog that came a full-out search party. Fully muddy, sticks all over him. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. <laughs> and what's funny is so Mary-Kate is out still looking for the dog. <laughs> John Luke doesn't know where she's at. So he bays the dog. The dog's oh, alive. Oh, no she's way. Still, hey, he, she left like, her phone. Oh, no. She's looking for an hour oh, for a dog. She's like still house. wailing at the dog. Oh, like, no. You know, uh, what's the dog's name? Uh, Pippa. 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 <laughs> so, Peppa, like Peppa the pig? or Pippa. Pippa. I did not have confidence well, in a dog named Pippa. You, <laughs> I think woods, that's but. what you said. Or one of the guys said, man, if I was named Pippa, I'd run away from you too. <laughs> now, somewhere in there, my son's looking for a lost dog all night. But we're having a Bible study. And yeah. it's, I, I don't know. It's just, it, and then the dog is, you know. There's something. Like, there's something connected there's with, a these, lesson there with these joys. That's I don't there know. for sure. So, anyway, last night was, it was just unbelievable, Hank, and I'm glad you were here and your friend, and uh, we've got a great story to, to tell yeah, people. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, can I, I, what's the rules of this podcast? Can I ask you questions? The rules of the podcast are, there are no rules. Beautiful. So there are well, no then rules. I can I ask you a couple questions, because I'm a pastor in Los Angeles. Oh, shit. So, I'm a person who's a follower of Jesus in a very liberal place in the right. world, but part of that. Um, kind of liberal part of the world is that I'm I get exposed to a lot of really intelligent ideas that maybe expand my thought in a way that it wouldn't if I stayed in Ohio or parts of Colorado my whole life. So when I told people and posted on Instagram that I was coming to the Duck Dynasty, you know whatever the name right. now that we're going to name your ranch, 
when I told, texted to, announced it, people started texting me saying, "Dude, I was, they're like, well, you're going to Trump support these guys are Trump supporters." Oh, really? And I and I was like, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, totally!" Like you got to meet these people; they're amazing. Like I've stayed pretty apolitical. I don't announce things. We never use our platform at Mosaic to tell people how to vote or how not to vote. Right. But since I've got you here, and you are, you did publicly endorse Trump. I would ask you I, the question I have for you is. Uh, do you have any concerns? Do you share any of the concerns that I would say even like a thinking conservative uh, Republican would have about a guy like the Donald? Uh, well, the honest answer is yes, I have concerns. I mean, I always have concerns about, especially when I think when you put any amount of effort into any other human being, there's concerns, right? For sure. I mean, For I sure. don't know you as wet like, there may be something that somebody could say, oh, hey, yeah. by the way, he's, be careful he's that this. Guy. And then yeah. I'm going, oh, no, I know that guy. Yeah, you know, right. totally. I was friendly with that guy, and totally. I put a picture of us up somewhere. So, any, <laughs> I mean, I think any person, you're, there's always like, you know, all you can do is hang out with the person, sit with the person, talk. And, right. and that's what I've done uh, with Mr. Trump. I was I was always enamored by Donald Trump just by right. – we come from the same background. Ever since he's, he's a in business guy. Alone. He's in Home Alone. He's I mean, I, alone. that's where I was like, this guy's – I say this, and I usually say it joking, but he's a business guy. He went into reality television from his business because he was successful. He had a super successful uh, television show. And so I understand that world, right? right? Because I was in business, background. and then yeah. we ended up doing reality television. He's an a incredible marketer of – of many things, yeah. and so I always you thought, probably have more successful products than he does. I mean, Trump steaks didn't take off. Well, but you got you got a Duck Commander couch. I here. look at it like he probably took more chances than I did. Oh, okay. And okay. so I, but I mean, we've had products that didn't. But work, I just mean work you guys. Well, I didn't. So. I didn't think about that in the sense that you guys are peers in that sense. <laughs> right. I mean, we're kind. Of, I, I kind of watched the guy, and I was like, oh, this. Now, whether or not I would like him or hang out with him, I had no idea. I didn't know. Sure. You know, right. It's like I don't know if I'd like the guy. I don't know his spirituality. I don't know anything really yeah. about him. And so then this political thing came up, which happens to be I enjoy politics and whenever you have a very successful television show like ours with a bunch of viewers and a bunch of people right. that like to see you politicians are attracted to it you, i mean yeah. they want, they, your they they want, want your people. right i mean that's yeah. going back of thousands of yeah, years of you want to be with the people who people like right because yeah. you're trying to get the people so this has happened this wasn't the first time this has happened and so uh and, but the way it happened was so unusual that it wasn't like Donald Trump called me up and was like, you know, Willie, I need. It wasn't that at all. It was I was in a I was in a city and I just he was doing a rally, and in my mind I was like, this is part of Americana, that I'm going to tell my grandkids about. Oh, back in 2016, yeah, right. you'll never believe it's the most interesting thing. This right. business guy, you know, came out and he was in politics and. And I was in the city, and I'm kind of the guy that's like, if I'm somewhere and something's, I'm like, let's go. I mean, what, what do we, you know? Sure, like, I don't yeah. Second guess it, and, and I didn't think we about. We got into a pond at four in the morning to baptize a guy. Exactly. So I figure, if so were, I don't second if guess. If you're in that, New York, and I said I don't go even to a party. think about my own like. <laughs> Everybody knows who I am, and so I just like I'm just a dude, and I just want to go yeah, see right. what this is like. What sure. is this whole thing? And so it ended up he. Uh, I was able to meet him, you know, because of the television. I was able to meet him, hang out with him, talk with him. And I really – he's a – he's. I've met a lot of politicians. This guy was like a normal person. Most politicians, most, are 
they're like a wax statue. Yes. They watch everything they say, and they look at, and they're looking at somebody else, going, "Is it okay to talk to this person? Right? right? Can I you be know, seen with him? Is this something that would help me, hurt me? And I hate that. You know, I'm like, yeah. dude, that's just that's just chit chat. You know. And Trump was just like he was. He was super nice, uh, super open, and knowing that literally the eyes of the world are on this guy right now. And this guy could say, "Look, man, I've got." something going on nice to meet you let's right. do a picture keep moving. see you you know it's like a meet and greet it was not like that at all it was come into my rv hang out we'll it's talk awesome. we talk politics we talk about things and so but i really said i said this guy says some things that really appeal to me i like the way that he wasn't asking for money he didn't ask me for money which is uh, rare most politicians <laughs> i've met have yeah, asked me for money i mean because then it yeah. goes with the success because right. they're going oh maybe you can donate some money and one night i was watching television and Trump actually said they're cutting Christians' heads off in the Middle East. He made a point to say this has to be stopped. And at the time, I was so passionate about our brothers and sisters getting literally killed, killed in other parts of the world that I live in in 2016. This is not, mm. you know, 1,000. This is not 1,500. This is not. Yeah. This is going on right now and videoed and exploited and glorified. And I was so bothered by it. And some of the other um, Christian politicians, I didn't really hear them say much about it, you know, and not that they, they probably did at some point. But for me, it was a big deal. And Trump actually made a big deal. And he was saying this has got to stop. And so that appealed to me. And so I was like, when I looked at my choices, I was like, this is the guy. It doesn't mean if someone supports Bernie Sanders, it doesn't mean that I can't be friends with that person. I think right. that's the problem in this country. So, like, oh, you're. Like your friends were saying, sure. like, oh, you can't Are be you friends going with him to Trump because town? of who yeah. he likes. As It doesn't matter. I have yeah. friends that support Hillary Clinton. That's fine. I mean, we disagree, but that's okay. I mean, we right. I disagree with my dad on things. He but didn't since, like, can I, he now, back, can I ask you some specifics, though? Because since you – you do you are you are you have that relationship with Trump you did endorse Trump that my biggest concerns about Trump aside from all of those elements is there seems to be a way in which he speaks that creates the riots and the tension and to live in Los Angeles where 55% of our population is latino american um, to be in a place where you go to be a white man in Los Angeles is a minority. Right. So I've got a city full of my brothers and sisters of Los Angeles, a Spanish city, by the way, uh, to be there and to have him say what he says about Mexico, that they're sending us the rapist. My neighbors and friends have come from Mexico right. legally and they own businesses and they run things and they give to my church and they serve in my church. He makes these big blanket statements. My biggest concern, and I guess this is where I would ask you, is like the things that he says about the Muslim population, the things that he says about the Latino population, shouldn't a leader of our country, of the America that has brought all of the, you know, the melting pot of the world, has brought, my family came from Norway and Germany, uh, wherever our worlds kind of come from, America was sort of that place that unified all of us. Shouldn't his wouldn't we want a president who pulled everybody together as opposed to drew lines around different races or different spaces? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think not to get super complicated, but when you, when you lay out as leaders lay out statements and you start using language of what you're saying and what right. kind of the, the thing, when that happens, if you take a, if you go back and you say no, because he said specifically this, this, and this, and so all of a sudden that's his whole mentality. Sure, sure. I don't think that's the case. I th- what if we? What if it was? 
what if it was proven? What if we had a Mexican official uh-huh. who literally said, yeah, I I told these two people to go into America because I didn't want them in our country. And I said, get out of here. Right. And I basically opened the door and let them go. So what if it was proven that that one specific was true? Yeah. Doesn't mean the entire thing. Right. And I don't know that Mr. Trump, because if you listen to him, he's like, I love Mexican people. I yeah, hire totally. Mexican people. I, so totally. you've got to look at the bigger picture. Because we could say, I could say, oh, the world's the world's so bad right now. But then you may go, oh, well, in this part of the actually, world, it's yeah. actually going yeah, great. Totally. And, and so you're like, totally. well, you know what I'm saying. The think, world is bad. So the question what I'm be- saying is I think Trump knows there's a certain amount of – there's some certain problems that are going on. I think if you back off and you look at a, a border that's supposed to be a border, right, right. there's a border at the White House. We can't just pour into it and go, right. hey, Hank, let's just jump the fence and run in there and yeah. check out the – you know, let's take selfies you at can. the Oval <laughs> Office. <laughs> we could if we you wanted will to. Get the we Beat down get, like you oh, have never yeah. gotten. Yeah, you know I'm saying because they're like, no, this is a line you don't cross. Hank, when you came into my house today, there's a right. it's a border, and, yeah. and it's like, look, Absolutely. there's a it's a gate. Absolutely, <laughs> like, you got to know the code. You don't yeah. get in. And if you just if people start pouring over there, we would have problems. And so I think I think in Trump's mind, I think he's speaking a very general thing. If you listen to what he say, he didn't call on Mexican. He didn't say Mexican people are this way. He said. The Mexican government let some of these people go because it's yeah For them to go into someone it. else's. And I think, think he made a point. When you see the reaction back to it, leaders say all kind of things, and then we react back to it. Right. There's things President Obama said that I go, oh, I disagree. Sure. I can't believe you're saying this. And that I'm the same way. I come into my house and I go, hey, tonight we're going to eat this. And I get a revolt from my family yeah. going, no, we don't want to eat that. We want to eat father, this. And you as a dad. You still, at the end of the day, you still draw your family. They have the confidence that you're pulling them together. Do you think if Trump wins, mm-hmm. and I think you're, you're, you feel good about that, if Trump wins, can we count on him to bring us together as a country? Can we count on him to draw us in unity? I mean, if you, if you take it from like even a spiritual direction, so much of the scriptures is about us being one tribe and one people, and there is no slave, no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female, none of these things. You go... Can can we count on him to pull us together, or will some of this divisiveness? Because I do think the part of the reason that he's gotten so popular is because he does talk about things candidly that has been sort of brushed by, or there's a party line to it, and you don't get to say it like you said. What am I allowed to say about these subjects? He doesn't care. There's no playbook. There's no right. speechwriter. So he's candid about those things, but that does create tension. Do you think if he becomes president, we can count on him to bring us together around the? Around the the making America if great. That's, around if the, that's your supposition, if that's if you think that one person can do that, then I'm not sure. I don't put the burden on that one person. I think Americans come together, despite who the leader is. Sometimes helped by the leader, but Americans come together because of American people, not because of one. Can one person? Right. Do, I don't know that one person can do. Any like a job like, especially in government. Think about sure. how big government is. What really? Ca- I've always said that. Like government is, there's so many people that do so many different things. Right. Uh, so I think the American people can come together, and I think he can aid in that. I think he will. I think he, any president, whether it's Democrat, Republican, Independent, any president will bring people together and do that. And so, in my mind, I think is. And where's God at in this? 
So if we believe in God, if we believe that God, right. does God put people in places? Has God used people in the Bible that we look at and go like, is that the guy you want to use? Yeah, you know? right, right. I mean, is that There's the person? There's not even a king in the Bible. There's not even a king right. in the Bible that you go, yeah, trust that guy. So if yeah, you yeah. believe in God, if, if you don't believe in God, I get it. Like, just let's roll the dice and hopefully right. everything, we're, hopefully Vote we're lucky. We've been lucky so far. Your, let's just yep. keep being lucky and all this. And so I think God plays in these things and there's a reason why there's some reason why he beat 16 other people that said that didn't say the thing that said right. we're gonna all be together that yeah, even said sure. christian things said spiritual things and they're gone they're gone they're gone you're like wow this is strange and so it boils down to, it's gonna boil down to two people that we have to make a choice and and either way i'm a, i'm not one of these guys who's like i'm leaving the country if the, no i mean i president obama and i do not agree on a lot of things i've actually met him he's a nice guy I've been the most successful I've ever been in my life. I've been the most successful of us, probably of most human beings ever on the planet Earth, you know, was under President Obama. Yeah, right. Now, that's not true for other people. Other people I get right. that. Yeah. And the, but in terms of the, how it the least, your life. The least financial successful we ever were in our lives as Robertsons, guess who it was under? Ronald Reagan. Wow. I mean, yeah, right. odd, but totally. true. Sure. I love Ronald Reagan. Sure. But we weren't, like, rolling in the money. We were right. working super hard. We were super poor, and we were working hard. And so um, I think leaders will come in. Like I said, I have a chance to uh, influence this in some way uh, just from my words and being around somebody, encouraging somebody to be, even to be more spiritual. And, and who's to say, somebody says, well, he's not this. They act like they never can be. Like, like he he can never be convert he can never see the light in some area sure, he can yeah. never say you know and some people may say oh but he says this but he's in a campaign i yeah. think it's unfair to judge any person running for president and just judge them on every sure. day every do you think, word it would be a question do you think he sort of is like i mean i think the genius of what he's done is he's a wild card he says whatever he wants he does whatever he wants See, I like that. That's a good wild card maverick thing for the reality show that is you're in reality TV. The presidential race is very much a reality TV show that we're all kind of paying it's attention become, to. It's become that. Yeah, for, oh, for sure. Because and I, it, because of him, right? Well, and I think even – When's before, the last one you were like, oh, it's riveting television. Oh, we've yeah. We've got no, uh, Barack Obama debating Hillary Clinton. No, yeah, I mean, no, no. We've got Mitt Romney up against Newt Gingers. Man, it is – it is must-see TV. No, so, we can't even remember one line from me. Though. Right. I mean, In the midst of that, do you think that that wild-cardness, as, as he becomes president, what, what will he do as the president? I mean, isn't there a sense in which, at least when a politician is sort of pandering or is sort of like they're dropped in, they're locked in, they're not going to do anything too crazy, they're thinking about their legacy, they're thinking about what's best for the people that voted them into office. I feel like Trump's the kind of guy who's like, I don't care who voted for me, I'm going to make this decision. He's not. He doesn't seem beholden in, a, in an exciting way for media because they're like, look what this guy said and look what he's doing. That wild card maverick type president with the most powerful – would be the most powerful person in the world. What basis, I guess, should we be looking at him going, we can trust that his wild card decisions, like I, I and we've only hung out for a few days <laughs> and known each other for a few months, but I, get, I think I pretty much get what informs you. I got a sense that you're about faith, family, and ducks. You know, like I've got like a pretty good, <laughs> but I could probably guess if I was like, what would Willie choose here? I bet I could guess. With Trump, I'm like, I'm not totally sure what informs the guy. 
and I'm not sure who has that influence. Does that make sense? Like, so where is that? So as the president, he's the wild card. This is so it question. makes you feel better thinking, thinking. It's like the movie The Matrix. As long as you think you know what there is. So if I voted for Barack Obama the first time, you know what I would say? He said marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the way it needs to be. So I would go, okay, that's good. At least I know that he. that's where he's at. What happened? Right. Totally changed his mind. It's like, sure. okay, changed my mind. I'm off that. Now I'm more, well, I can't remember the exact term he used. You know, I've rethought this, and now something changes. So I'm saying politicians change all the time. Right. They change from what well, what they said, and then all of a sudden they change they, they change the game. probably informed by poll numbers more than anything. He exactly. Was and probably making that choice one way or the other. Perhaps this thing. Because you're saying, how would he, be, like, there's some sort of fear in people that says, if I don't know what I think may happen, then I'm fearful that the unknown, that I, something may not, that happen that I didn't know about. Like, as long as right. I know, if he says, I'm going to go in there and we're going to go to war, you know, as long as you know that yes. going in. But you're, there's some fear that that's, you know, that something may happen that you didn't know in advance. Right. So into that case, I would say then what makes you think uh, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, whoever. The other, we don't know what that. Yeah. Who, well, I don't know what informs what, them either. Yeah. What would Bernie Sanders do? Do you really do you really say, oh, I know exactly what that guy <laughs> no. would do? And but I, there's millions of people who go like, that's my man. He's what the would guy, he do? In like the, what would he do if, uh, you know, uh, uh, China just wiped out Taiwan right. and said, I'm going in? What would Bernie Sanders do? Right. Who knows the answer uh, who knows? to that? But I, I guess I go back to what I think makes America great is that the understanding of America is that the government exists to serve its people. Its people do not exist to serve the government. So I would hope that a president – in a lot of ways, would respond to poll. I hope a president is like, these are the people I serve, and this is what the people need, want, are asking for. The the majority who voted me into presidency, this is what I would hope they would want. What concerns me about Trump is I don't think he cares what I want. Does that make sense? I would put him in the same category as a person like Hillary Clinton who's deep in the political machine. I'm not sure she cares what I want or need or what we as a collective want either, but I'm not sure that Trump cares what I want either. I think he's looking at it going, how can I make this thing work? I do think he has probably a lot of fresh ideas, a lot of fresh things, but I think that's my distrust of all governmental power is, I'm not sure you're here to serve the people of America. It sort of feels a little bit like you're pretty you're pretty selfishly career-driven. You're pretty self-driven. Uh, you're pretty... Kim- do you see that on the Democratic side as well? I do. I, I would say I see I'm, that a I mean, political figures. Dick I mean, Cheney said something one time. And I never. I was like, wow, what a statement. I couldn't believe he said it. but, And it's true. And I was like, that's kind of – somebody said, well, what about all these people that don't – that that says, you don't serve me. You know, you don't care what I think, right. whatever. And Cheney said I – can't, I can't reference it. I'll find it. But Cheney said, I only have to worry about 50%. The majority yeah. is what – that's who you have to – the majority of the people is who you're concerned. Yeah. So there's 49% of people that you totally disagree, will never vote totally. for you, will never like you, totally. will never hang yeah, out with that's you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's And true. he's like, if there's 51% who does, then get, that's I'm, where. I'm and it was an amazing state. I was like, wow, yeah. I never thought. Because I, I think we start thinking collect, like, uh, let's all of us. Right. Well, Hank, we can, especially you're in Los Angeles. I mean, we won't agree on <laughs> yeah, so exactly. many things, yeah. right? We won't agree on these things. So when it comes to be, I think I think uh, that 
what I like about Trump is the toughness because once you get outside of our borders and you're into the world now, you're into India, you're into China, you're into all these right. other places, um, man, you got to be tough. I mean, it, it's a tough, tough world. And there's I, my, my fear is that Americans don't even realize what the heck is going on in other countries and how bad it is and how much they want to come in. They want to kill and look at the murder. It's murder. They come in, they kill, they shoot. Every once in a while, somebody will get in Nine eleven happen. You know, people will come in and just kill people for literally no reason for, no, right. I mean, just, we will kill. I mean, Do there's a reason Trump's, in there, but they'll just shoot people that don't like, they're not your enemy. They're just like, even the prime minister alive. of Germany. Do you think, like I always say, this is what I say. When I travel internationally, the way the rest of America thinks about the state of Texas is the way the rest of the world thinks about all of Americans. <laughs> they just do. You When you go to Texas, you go, oh, yeah, there's a Texan. There's an American flag tattooed on their body. Right. They carry Pistol. a gun in their car. There's a, you know, they, everyone, when I travel to Italy, when I go to Europe, when I go to Australia, they think they just, they're looking for your cowboy boots and your gun in your hand. They're trying to figure right. out, did you try to get a gun in our country? What do you think the global perception of the United States will be? Again, people that we rely on for trade, people we rely on for peace, people we rely on to not uh, create war with us or bomb us or terrorize us. The global perception of the United States if Trump is our president. I would hope that they would think that financially we have money. And I'm going to totally but I feel like pull they, the steering wheel here. I feel like they here. probably – No, I think money's a problem, Hank. I, you think people are worried we don't. Okay, let me just – the simple economics of me – I have been poor. I have had money, okay? I can do a lot of good things with money. Sure. I can look over. I can go in the grocery store, and I can say, you know what? The guy behind me looks like he needs some help. I'm paying for his as well. Have you done that? Uh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I can That'd go be so up. so fun. I'm stealing I that. Left a gas, I'm stealing that right now. I left a gas station last week, and there's an old boy sitting in the passenger side. In the, he's just sitting there. It just... And I walked out, and I just flipped him a $100 bill. I said, there you go, buddy. Wow. And kept, well, I didn't know who he was. Didn't know, and I don't, you know, and I hope one day, you know, he has a story like, man, I was, sure. you know, <laughs> whatever. He's on a podcast, and he's like, this or, bearded angel. <laughs> well, he showed up to me with a $100 he probably, bill. Uh, the bad thing is in West Murray, he probably knows who I was. But oh, it was okay. like, you know, I was just like, I like doing that because yeah. financially I can do it. There was a time when I couldn't. There was a time when people did that for me. There was a, sure. there was a little lady at our church. I was in seminary. And she came up, and she gave me $10, and for whatever reason, I accepted the $10. This lady is super Miss Willa. Miss Willa. Willa gives me $10. Miss Willa gave you $10. And I'm like, thank you so much. Believe me, it paid off. It was a good investment because I've given her back much more than $10 <laughs> over the years. <laughs> good, good Great investment. She, now she she's made. walking around giving $10 to everybody. Going, But she gave going. me $10. It's the same way, same situation. Yeah. I was this young 18-year-old seminary student. Right. And she gave, and I, I, the $10 was useful at the time. So I was like, somebody help so I can do that with money. America right now is in debt. Hank, if you show up right now and you go, Willie, I, th- this is awesome. By the way, I'm $3 million in debt right now. I can't pay my credit cards. Our whole relationship, if you told me that, would change. I guarantee you. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. I well, mean, wouldn't you be like, if I told you, like, you, you have friends that are, like, totally upside down. They have oh no money. Gosh, they have no yeah. deal. And then they're wanting to stick. But they're still like, hey, let's start this business together. I'm yeah. like, hey, bro. <laughs> bro, let me tell you yeah. something. Yeah. So when you don't have any money, and worse than not having any money, when you're so in debt, like, you've spent all your money right. on all these different things. And then you're still wanting to be a player. Like, hey, I mean, I know these people. 
I'm friends right. with some of these people where I look at them going, bro, you're not, you need to, you need to ratchet it down. You Gird need your to, lunch. right. You Gird need your to, lunch. to use a biblical phrase. We all have to do that. There's times in my house over on the guys, look, we cannot spend this much money. Okay. So America is just out of control. Out of control spending money. We spent every dime of everything, future yeah, money, this money. Our we have no card, money. Our credit card. So when I look at somebody trillions. like Mr. Trump, the only person that even understands the numbers to even fix things, these numbers get so many zeros. It's beyond. I'm a CEO of a company. I don't understand a budget that's right. trillion. I don't. I couldn't even. I don't even know how to right, do that. Right. And so I'm like, oh, here's a guy who understands big, big business. He said losses. He's had wins. He's worked internationally. So financially, we can do so much more. If your church, if your church has no money and you're in debt, mm-hmm. which is how happened. many? How we many went, we've been through a season like that. Well, how many people can you hire? How many people can you send yeah. off to help uh, missionary work? How many people? How many uh, classrooms can you fill out? How many uh, donuts can you buy for? Right. You don't have any right. money. You can't do it. And so, so you're saying the po- the global perception would be. America has money now. It can be more of a help to the world. I sadly, I think global is like we can't keep giving you all this stuff. We've got to tighten right now, our belts, you feel like right? That's we've part got of, to tighten yeah. our belts, and you're going to have to help us. Like I said that with the oil. When Trump says with the oil, when we went into Iraq and lost lives and spent all this money, I thought mm-hmm. we should work out a deal. It's we're there. We're like all right, right. We just helped you out, right? We just helped you out. We got rid of these. But when we did Kuwait, we that's how it started. When Kuwait right. was invaded by Iraq, we go over and guess what? We spend a fortune over there to do that. We should have said, all right, Kuwait, here's the deal, okay? Either we're going to leave and let them walk right back in here and take everything, or we're going to work a deal out. You're going to give us this. You're going to pay us back this for coming over and helping you. Right. I mean, that's what I would if if I called my buddy. I was like, hey, I'll come over and help all this. It may cost $1,000. they are like, hey. I'll pay you so the you think it's dollars. primarily economics because don't you think of the for the rest yeah. of the world? No, no, no. You said you think it's primary. It's also economic. I think okay. that's a okay. big piece of this. Got it. If if I look at the godly perspective, I think maybe America is here to be a incubator of Christianity. It's a place that literally God circled and said, "I'm going to do a bunch of amazing things with these people. They're fighters. They're." messed up they're bro- they're not they're human beings they're just like david just like peter just like all these people who are messed up but i've got a land here that's going to go help who helps all the who goes out and helps and pours and spreads the gospel of jesus right there and I'm, this is one of my main hubs is going to be america i'm going to put oceans around all this stuff may have been thought about way before you know like we have i'm a resources and animals and oil and i'm, I'm a poor you know mm-hmm. all these things are right here so if i'm looking at it from that perspective i'm like well maybe that's what it is but also financially just us as a as a family just a unit we can't just spend all this money and give right. everything. We can't do that and then expect to still be in the game going, hey, we're still – I'd be like, yeah. you're a joke. You don't even have any money. You're right. broke. Right. You know, but we still go in and protect – what is this need for Americans to go in to protect people and help? We still have that. I think that's godly. I think that's right. who we are. We On 9-11, guys run up the stairs and the building – what and I was like, it's amazing the human beings. Some of those people make – just more than minimum wage. Literally, you may die. You may lose your life financially. It'd be like it's a bad deal. Don't right. <laughs> don't yeah. go into a burning yeah. building. It That's a bad deal because you can sense. make more right. money. Right. 
But th- there's something in us that says we will go help you. When the World War II, I mean, it's like we will come yeah. over and help. We cannot watch these atrocities happen wherever it is. So I, so when I see that about America, I think that's great. But financially, we we if this bubble bursts and we're we're all going to be at, then you we will be open to more attacks. You know, imagine if we can't protect, right. if we couldn't protect, people could just run up a boat up on the beach and just dump out 50 people that want to kill people. And so I I think it's not that I think it's all about economics. I think That's we are treading somewhere where guys like Bernie Sanders don't understand what that's going to mean if we can't protect ourselves and we, we need money. Plus, we need money to do things good. And we... There's so much money going out to our own people. I mean, we right. we fund. I mean, a hundred million of Americans are saying we need money. We, you know, I mean, look at the jobs. There's like what's it, ninety million people don't have jobs. I mean, it's um, I mean, these numbers are staggering. You know, the work and all this. Thing. So I think it's all that. I think Trump has an idea. He is a gruff, hard guy. But you know, and you say it's a mat, like he's some wild card. But it's no different than I've had conversations with family members and other people who have. Great ideas, but they're you'd be like, ah, couldn't be president because of this, but that's a great idea. Right. And so, your initial question: Do I have concerns? Yes. Do I agree with everything he says? No. Um, if Hillary Clinton is a president, would I move? No. Would I try to make changes? Yes. If I if she walked into my room, I would say, Miss President. I mean, I, I would be as Mrs. cordial. Mrs. Yeah. I mean, it would. You know, I would be as civil as possible and all that and can disagree. Right. And, I, and I hope, but still be respectful of her. I have, yeah. I think when, when, when Trump says he's going to send all the illegals back to me, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's kind of the art of the deal where it's like, I'm going to start here. Oh, okay. I'm going to go in, I'm going to start here. We're going to end up here. Yeah. You know? Right. And right. so I think what he's saying is true. Like if you break the law, I mean, if you, if you break a law, then you should have to do this, you know? Um, so I mean, if not, then if what if Walmart said uh, if you if you steal stuff, we're not going to prosecute. You know, we get it. I mean, it happens every day, and we're right. really not going right. to prosecute. No, if if they sense. said that, how much more would be stolen? From We'd Walmart? stop by Walmart on the way to the airport. But there's some fear, right? There's a fear yeah, that right. you can't just go in and take something. And but what if the argument was, well, people do it every day. I mean, people, yeah, right. I mean, sure. so then all of a sudden that becomes the norm. And it, once society starts breaking down, like where if I can just walk in and grab an armful of stuff and go, I'm taking this, you know, I mean, society, it's not that far from breaking down to where if, you know, look at the riots and the, the loot. I mean, what, what happens? Somebody disagrees. Somebody loses the Super Bowl and all of a sudden we just go in and tear down buildings, burn up everything, right. steal everything you can. I mean. It's like that's people. People are crazy. <laughs> people now, are crazy. So if Trump at Trump's inauguration, are you gonna are you gonna say the prayer? Oh, of course. I mean, if I were asked, of course. Yeah, I would. right. I, I mean, would I say like... the prayer at Hillary's inauguration. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I mean, yeah, right. so I guess we've got sense. to separate the Christianity from the government, right. which this country was founded on. You believe that that it was a separation. Right. I think a lot of Christians. The problem I have is a devout Christian who believes in jesus christ more than anything the problem is is we try to make this the same and i'm like it's not the no, same 100 jesus 100%. spent no time talking about overthrowing governments or who to elect and hey if uh, uh peter what i want you to do is you get in with the king and we you know and although that happened the old i mean there was influence sure. influential people that were always around 
But Jesus spent no time talking about it. I think let the Christian people deal with sin and sinful people and helping people, and we will do that. Please let me do it in a land where my family's safe, which up until this point we have been, and where my my country can protect us and my country is financially fiscal, not just make sure that we balance budget. So with the, if there is someone in need who says, man, I don't have a job, I can't eat. And I love it yeah, when the right, government, right. although Christians can do the same thing. They right. can help you eat. You know, right. I mean, they can help you eat. But it's great when the government says, ah, oh, your bridge fell down. We'll come in and build it back for you so that you can get across the river. That's all I'm asking. Right. Let me worry about all the social things. Let us yep. worry about that as Christians. I don't. And I think Trump has an understanding of that. And don't get, I mean, I think he would stay out of the way and just try to protect us, make us fiscal responsible that's the only two things i ask for in government that's it right we'll deal with everything else uh that's kind of my view of the politics and i and so it concerns me i'll try to change it i don't think everything he said but you know i'm gonna still do my christian duty and i don't put my christian faith exactly on a politician on my mayor on my it's great when i hear like, sure. oh they're a christian that's awesome that's cool he goes to church but they could be a yeah. they could be a nothing and be a great governor they could right. be a great mayor they could be a great president they could be a great senator who do things of what you need to do it doesn't you know and hopefully we get a chance to actually convert that person because i never weeds them out like oh you'll never get that person that person was my father my dad was the guy like do not hang out with that person he is a horrible person mm. somebody went and asked him the same question said I think you should get baptized. At 28 years old, he turns his life over. He was abusive to us, abusive to mom. He was uh, an adulterer. He was a fight. He all he was just a terrible person. And all of a sudden, he makes a change, and now he turns into a totally different person. Which is the story of Jesus and what he said 2,000 years ago. It happened in my own life. Mm. Tr- changed the whole direction of my life, my brother's lives. The one decision he made impacted not just our family. So my view of Christianity is, I don't know what happened, but when I was three, my dad turned into a totally different person. So it's cool. It was a great thing to yeah, happen. Right, but it right. actually ended up impacting millions of people, if you think about mm-hmm. television and duck all over the world. So that decision impact. So whether it's a politician, whether it's him, I never say, oh, give me a chance to get that message. It won't be Willie Robertson, the, how powerful he is. The message of Jesus has the power in itself. Hmm. I just have to deliver it. Yeah, right. I just have to do things that are, I have to open my mouth and do things. So when I think about, that was the point I was making earlier. All these things that happened, we're trying to figure out what exactly it was. I told my friend, I said, you have to, there's a difference in being Christian and being somebody that's active who does things. Hmm. Because if Corey and I don't decide to invite you over, if we decide not to have you over and invite people and do this, everything that just happened the last two days doesn't happen. Right. There's a lot of powerful stuff that For happened sure. the last two days in our lives. So you have to do something. People that sit around and do nothing, and nothing happens, and they're expecting some amazing results. So Christianity, whatever it is, you have to do something. You have to get in there and be active in that. Yep. Open your mouth, invite somebody, ask somebody a question, and get a conversation started. If you don't start the conversation, if you don't do it, if all you're worried about yourself and your, you know, your car and your this and that, then you know, life's going to play out like it's going to play out. And so that's kind of the way I see it is people that are active, you're going to 
step in some holes, but you're also going to do some amazing things. And uh, I'm happy to be involved in the pod and all the stuff. I just love, I mean, yeah, right. just love, you know, and for somebody to say, well, I will not speak to you because of somebody that you vote for. Yeah, totally. That's insane. Yeah, and that I think shouldn't be in America. That should things, not be an American thought. The two things we should most be compelling that. to me are the two things, and you said it a little bit last night, but even said it now is you uh, are supporting a person that you can that you have a relationship with and you have influence over. That's your way of making a difference. If you have you support a person to get there because you. But have if a I didn't, to, I may still support. Sure, right. sure. I mean, there's I just a lot think of people. that's a compelling ar- uh, like a, agreement or argument for you kind of getting to that place and i think the second piece or the thing that um i guess i'm aware of is how i last night while we we're eating pizza was like not so sure about trump i didn't get uninvited to the house you didn't you kept yeah. you let me eat seven more pizzas <laughs> does that make sense like i yeah. feel like that's a big part of where politics to me is whether you're on the trump side or not is that when you're thrown over a police car or lighting it on fire or not talking to people about what they believe it's the same story. It's about just being open-handed. And my question is, why aren't people more curious about things like asking questions about, okay, why is Trump gaining steam as opposed to saying there must be a lot of uneducated people? Right. On the And on the other side, there's too many liberals. That's right. why. It's just like it, I would – my hope would be that people would lean in and ask questions. Well, but, and that's what I appreciate about you. But they're assuming that it's – they're assuming it's negative, right? Well, these people sure. are racist or they're – you know. And For sure. So, but, but, it, but they're but assuming media is the issue. Media is, is shaping questions. this as well. Media does help to shape what For people sure. think as they pour it into their minds through the Internet or through television and they – Poor this. Somebody has an agenda, and somebody, you yeah. know, and sadly, most of it's just for ratings. So they want ratings, so for they sure. just blow this stuff up. There was also a guy eating pizza last night who was does not even believe in God, Bernie Sanders, and he's a too. big Bernie Sanders yeah, guy, and he too. was sitting right there across from us eating the same pizza. And we're having and, a conversation. And I show him. And you the, called him a socialist, <laughs> <laughs> and he's laughing. And we're laughing together. Going we're like, like, hey, it was all a huge. But he is invited to my house, and we will share ideas because I haven't given up on him. Because yeah, right. one day, I mean, this. Is, so I think that is where I'm at. Which is, let's just sit down and let's have conversations and disagree. Yep. But man, we are. The same people that don't like Trump and say, oh, he's building this border. You're telling me they don't have a border at their house and say, you ain't getting in this house if you don't believe. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's far worse. It's like you don't get into our club unless you believe what we believe. But they're going to dog Trump for saying something about a border when we're building borders all over the place. And so that's when now I've got to pull myself back into Christianity. Now, as a Christian, it's a totally different deal. So what I would want, Hank, is when you sit with somebody who goes, man, I can't, that Willie Roberts, I can't, you know, he's a Trump supporter or whatever. I would hope you say, as a Christian, if that person is a Christian and a believer, is for you to say, there is nobody else I would want sitting with him at any point than that we've got a person right there. I would say the same thing about you. Hmm. And I would, if you were buddies with the governor of California, and, I, and you said, we're good friends, and we talk all the time. It would help me going, ah, that's great. Because there's a brother in Christ who I know who is knowledgeable, who is who has a lot of skills, who is in the circle that is able to talk and share ideas with a leader. Hmm. And that's going to be helpful. Yeah, so it right. makes me feel better when I go, oh, man, if I knew that uh, 
who you know if Irwin were talking to President, I'd be like, "That's fantastic. Yeah, that's good." Right. I'm not there to do it, right? But sure. If Irwin can do it, sure. That's Christian. That's brotherhood. Yeah, right. right. I mean, that's what we're. I mean, that's what we feel, and we say we. He made that. all of us. He made yeah, I hear that. tons of different people with tons of different. I mean, to think that it's some guy with a beard. Who's yeah, hunting totally. It, like to think no, that, and I think if I can say one one thought on you and your family would be I don't think I had any idea how kind you are. And I don't think I knew even for one bit how open-handed and confidently and comfortable in your own skin and just even open-handed on the dialogue. We talked for for six hours last (laughs) night about all the issues that we don't have time to dive into on this podcast. But I've just been moved, and I think when people see me post about you guys or see us post about each other, and ask questions like, what's that like? I think they see the caricature that I think the media has made your family. Right. And I get to go, I've, I went to school on how to be a family every time I hang out with you guys. Whether yeah. We hung out in Dallas and we hang out here. I just learned so much about the kindness and the generosity and the way that you guys together. So I think even people who are listening to this podcast who might, I mean, I think they probably feel things about you and they know you're the real deal and they know you guys are there. But I think the thing that's most moving to me about being with you guys is how kind and open-handed and how uh, just truthful and trustworthy right. you guys are as people. So to me, the thing that I trust is, uh, man, if you guys have influence over a person who may be the president of the United States, uh, I feel better about that. Well, and there's a lot of people, and I appreciate you saying it, and I'd rather you say it than we say it about ourselves, but I think there is a kindness. So whenever the media, whoever says that you're not, it's hurtful because you're going, ah, you know, when you say, ah, Phil's not, I'm like, Phil's the kindest, loving guy, you know, and so, and so that's why when I look at somebody like Trump, I realize the media is going to come after and they're going to, they're going to do these things. And so, and you guys share that experience too, right? Exactly. And what, what got Corey was, when you meet the kid, when you meet a family and you see the love and respect and all that, that doesn't happen. You've got a young family. Sure. It doesn't happen by accident. Right. right. <laughs> so it, you just don't accidentally have awesome children who are respectful and all this. Yeah. I mean, believe me, it, there's, there's a lot that goes in there. So that has to be years, years of forming that to where people get like that because a lot of people aren't, you know, their kids are just off the deep end and they're, out of control and so, and a lot of times that comes from a, a lot not all times but a lot of times that comes out of an out of control family you know something's not right there right something's right. not right in the home whether it's single parents or what you know and problems come out of that and we have to look at it make those judgments and say it's better like this better when a family's together. it's better when it's like this and so i think that's where we're at in america it's a it's a great conversation uh i'm trying to make it more civil uh every time i'm on a talk show or in the media, just trying to be civil and say, hey, let's just let's share ideas. We're Americans. If we're Christians, if we're Christians, we're Christians. All right. That's a whole different deal. Then we're Americans. OK, this is the country we live in. All right. And we should love each other. The Bible commands that love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, these are, you know, if you live that out, it, right. it's going to come out in kindness. Right. right. Totally. You should totally. see that. Right. So you should see that as a fruit of our lives. And then there's other people in the world that are still our neighbors, too, and we love them, too. We love people from Mexico and Canada and China and all these people, and we try to figure it out and get together. However, there's a lot of evil in the world. There's still murder, sex traffic. I mean, there's, you know, all right. these things that are bad, and somebody's got to somebody's say, hey, I can't do this. You know, you can't. 
you can't exterminate Jewish people. That can't happen. You right, know? Totally. And we've had to deal with that. Yep. And people die, and it's horrible, and it's war, and it's, people are killed, and cities are wiped out. I mean, you know, these things happen. And so um, I just try to keep both perspectives, you know, this God perspective of where I'm at, the government perspective, and then all the way down to even television. Then you got to do a funny show and a silly show that does that. But it's impactful, you know. Yeah. And so all these things in the same brain and the same heart so uh hank thank you so much man what a uh we have uh this is <laughs> we hit our we hit our 25 this minutes is the I longest think. yeah this is certainly the long i would figure this out in the edit but uh <laughs> this is a, a great um great time with you thank you so much for coming down uh you've helped me this weekend and uh we're gonna just be better people and thanks again for coming absolutely thanks for having me